Well, thank you, Brother Carlos, for that wonderful worship experience this morning. We thank God for your gift, and we thank God that together we were all able to enter into his presence. What a beautiful time it is for me to be here at Long Island Alliance bringing the word for all of us this morning. And um, I pray that God speaks to us and that God changes us and transforms us into his image. Uh, let's open up with the word of prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to me and through me, Lord, and that all of us that are together on Zoom today, Father, can hear your word and can be transformed by your word. Lord, do a miracle in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning's scripture, we're going to turn to the book of James chapter 1. The book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Some versions say patience. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Today we're going to look at the life of Joseph, and all the trials he encountered. We are also going to look at examples of his perseverance and endurance, and how his response in times of distress can help encourage us today. We, also, we will also see how God blesses those who wait on him and endure till the end. There are two words that are essential to today's study. The first one is endurance. The second one is perfect. The description or the definition of endurance in these verses means the characteristic of a person who, who is unswerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. In other words, we grow in our faith and trust God in the most difficult of trials because we are loyal and deliberate. The word perfect comes from the Greek word teleos. It means complete in all its parts full-grown, full of age, especially of the completeness of Christian character. Our character is one of the things God works on when we are in a trial. Now that we have these meanings, let's dive into scriptures and look at the life of Joseph. And I want to preface this teaching with, when, I, when we talk today about pain, trials, and suffering, I am not referring to it in a masochistic way. I'm referring to it as part of our daily lives that we go through things, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's inflicted wounds or self-inflicted wounds that we've created out of the chaos that we put ourselves in from our own decisions or things that just happened in our families and in our lives that put us in a trial. Amen? Genesis chapter 37, verses 2 through 4, it's the story of the life of Joseph. It says, these are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. In other words, he was this little boy talking to his father about all the bad things his brothers were doing. Anybody knows what I'm talking about. If you have children, you'll know what, what I'm talking about. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a varicolored tunic. 
His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. His brothers hated him because of a, the kind of brat he was, I guess. He was a little brat, and he knew he was his father's favorite, and the, and the brothers knew that, so they gave him a very hard time. From the onset of the story, we have a young 17-year-old who was having family issues. He had 11 brothers, 10 of which hated him so much that they could not speak to him on friendly terms. His whole life up to this point must have been very difficult. Could you imagine what it was like, what it must have been like for him growing up? What it was like for him to have these struggles with his whole family, with most of his brothers, and not being able to hide in his room and play a video game, or not being able to go into the backyard and play? They, they didn't have the escapes that most people have nowadays, and they, all he had to do was stay there and struggle with his trial. He had nowhere to flee from it. Maybe some of you can relate to what I'm talking about as you have kids yourselves or as you've been a sibling yourself and know what it's like to be in a fight with your brother or your sister and, and want to just get away from it because of all the, the struggles it brings to your life. His father also showed him favor, as the Bible says, that he loved him more than all his brothers. This is the foundation of why his brothers treated him the way they did. Later in life, we read that his brothers plotted to kill him. And if you're familiar with the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, you find that they took him, they beat him up. And while they were beating him up, his brother Reuben comes by and says, hey, don't kill him. Um, let's put him in this pit until we can figure out what to do with him. So Reuben basically saves his life. But while Joseph is in the pit, these people come from another land and they say, well, let's sell Joseph as a slave to them. And Joseph is in the pit. He's all beat up. They had just, 10, 11 of his brothers had beaten him up, left him for almost dead, threw him in the pit. And now he's in the pit thinking he's going to die, but he hears his brothers negotiating the terms of his sale. Now, how do you think this feels? How do you think this makes a person feel who has been faithful all their life, who's served their father and their family, and now he's hearing his brothers discuss and negotiate how to sell him to the traders that were passing by? What was going through Joseph's mind? Through Joseph's mind, what was he thinking as his brothers tried to kill him? What was he thinking as he heard the traders negotiating? How do you think this made him feel that he was bound and forced to go on another journey where he would never see his father again? The events in Joseph's life up to this point have driven him, could have driven anybody into despair. If you think about the things that he had gone through, if any of us would have been in these situations, and maybe some of us have, coming from different backgrounds where you've been um, tied up and maybe held hostage some, or something, but you know that you're like, wow, what is going to happen to me? Where is going to end up with my life? Where is my life going to end up? It gives us plenty of reason to get angry and to take things out on God. But Joseph did not do any of this. In all these things, all we hear is that Joseph was a faithful servant to the Lord and to his people. And we find now, as we read on in the story of Joseph, in the book of Genesis, chapter 39, verses 1 through 5, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt to Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh. So when he was sold to the traders, the traders brought him to the city. And in the city, they, they put him up for sale again, I guess, and Potiphar wound up um, buying him at an auction. If you're familiar with the slavery auctions, as I've seen them or read about them, this is how it probably went. And look at his physique, look at how well he's built and how much he's worth. And Potiphar purchased him out of that lot. The Lord was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house. So he became success, a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. 
Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. And I mean, you know, that being faithful demonstrates the character of God in your life. And others see that and are attracted to it. Amen? Verse 4 says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. Amen? And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put him in charge of. It came about that from the time, from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. The first lesson that we learn today from the life of Joseph and his trials, sufferings, and endurance is that God blesses our righteous response in times of suffering and difficulties. God blesses our righteous response in times of suffering and difficulties. What does this mean, you might ask? To the extent that we honor God in our trials, to the extent that we remain faithful in suffering, God will grant us favor and blessings to help us through our trials. So as we remain faithful in the trial, God remains faithful in helping us in the trial. You might say, but it's difficult. You don't understand what I'm going through or what I've gone through. And I would tell you that God already knows what you're going through. And God already knew that you were going to go through this. Our response to suffering and trials is usually based on our ability to deal with our emotional state. You see, we must believe what the scriptures tell us if we are to trust God in everything. The problem with humans is that we develop the false sense of security by building and devising things around us that we think secure us. All of us prefer to avoid pain, but even more, we would rather escape reality. That's why people turn to drugs. That's why people turn to alcohol, fits of anger, sexual sin, bitterness, gambling, and all other things in an effort to escape the pains of reality. Did you notice that I also said anger and bitterness in part of these defense mechanisms that we've devised? Yes, those are also means of escaping reality. Anger, when done in sin, is a form of escape. We feel that we are in control when we put up our angry self to keep people away from us. And how many of you know that you've seen somebody that just has an angry face on, and that's a defense thing that he has or she might have to keep people from approaching them because they don't want to deal with either a particular person or a particular situation, or maybe they're just having a bad day, and that's how they keep everybody at bay. God allows things to happen to us to expose who we really are. He keeps us dependent on him because in most cases, we cannot stop feeling the bad things we feel without a move from God. In other words, unless God intervenes, we will feel bad. And God is the only one that can change us and lift us out of the pain and suffering that we might be going through. Joseph demonstrated unwavering trust in God in that we don't see a record of him growing bitter or demonstrating sinful anger in any of the trials that he went through. God was perfect, perfecting his character, and Joseph was allowing it. The second lesson we can learn from Joseph's life is that from Joseph's life of endurance is that patience and character can only be obtained through testing. Patience and character can only be attained through testing. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 39, verses 7 through 12. And this is just a story of Joseph, and I encourage you later on during the week that in your devotions um, that you just study the life of Joseph and see 
all of the lessons that there are that God left for us. What an incredible treasure he left us in the, in, in the life of Joseph. It says in Genesis 39, um, verse 7, it says, It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with him in desire, and she said, Lie with me. And Joseph refused to lie with his master's wife. You know the story. He ran from her, and he left the cloth or his mantle. She ripped it off of him, and she said that he was trying to um, a move, make a move on her. And this was Joseph escaping or running away from sin. It was Joseph running away from a trial that was placed in his path to help him escape, or to help him flee from the pain that he might have been feeling. Amen? And once again, Joseph could have blamed his past and used it as an excuse to sin. Instead, he fled for his life. We knew, we knew that God had blessed him so much, Joseph knew that God had blessed him so much that he could not sin against Potiphar and God. Amen? He did not want to defile that household. Joseph knew that his relationship with God and man was worth more than a temporary pleasure with a woman. They think, people think, that when you flee to a relationship, you're going to uh, uh, avoid these feelings. And, and what that could have been, that could have been a moment for, 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 for Joseph to, to relieve himself of anger and pain and all the hostilities that he'd been going through. He could have used all of his past as an excuse and said, man, I've got an opportunity now. I'm going to be with this lady. Joseph was over 17 years of age. So in other words, he was... He was um, his, his body was active, physically, normally, hormonally, if, if you know what I'm saying. And he could have used that as an excuse. Wow, this, 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 I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. But he did not do that because he knew that if he would have taken part of his wife, his situation was not going to change. It might have felt like it changed temporarily, but in the long run, it would have gotten worse. And, and that's why people today need to understand that sometimes a, a temptation might come our way that tries to leave us from the trial, but it's just something that the enemy is trying to use to get us to escape the lesson that God is trying to teach us in the trial. Amen? We have feelings and the things that stimulate the feelings, that satisfy the emotions, and people need to look at those things to see what God is trying to do in their trial and circumstances. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Cry of the Soul, and I recommend it to everyone. It's an incredible book that talks about emotions and feelings. And here's what it says about what provokes our feelings. It says like this, Our emotions are based on our response to how others deal with us. Our feelings are provoked when people relate to us in three different ways. They move against us. In other words, we feel attacked. The second thing is they move away from us or we feel abandonment. And the third one is they move toward us and we feel loved. An attack is a violation of our dignity. It provokes us, it provokes us to fight in anger or flight in fear, or in other words, to stay fighting or to run away from the situation. Remember, God allows trials to show us who we are. He shows us our most intimate parts when we go through a trial. He is building and developing character into the image of his son Jesus through the trial. We always say, 
I want to be more like Jesus. And how many have said that? I've always said I want to be more like Jesus. But then it comes to the suffering part, and we say, I want to be more like Jesus minus the suffering. We don't want to go through all the trials Jesus went through. We just want the benefits of the cross of Christ, which we have, but we don't want, the, we don't want the, 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 what, what God does, the work that he does, the intimate work that he does in the purification process, in the sanctification process of bringing us through trials, of testing us, and helping us develop as better Christians. Amen? We don't want none of the uncomfortable stuff. We only want the stuff that feels good. And how many know that in Christ's situation, it wasn't all just about feeling good. There were many uncomfortable things that Christ had to go through in order for us to obtain eternal life and in order for us to have one who can then um, participate with us in our trials, knowing what we felt and what we went through. The third lesson that we learn from, t- from these scriptures is that God allows trials to help you bring glory to God. That is the real test. He allows trials in our lives to come so that we can then bring glory to God in the trial. Remember, Joseph interpreted the dream of the cupbearer and the baker. Once again, Joseph was faithful. He, had, he knew he did not de- deserve what he was going through, but he didn't allow his feelings to control him. In other words, he was in prison using the gifts that God gave him in, in the cupbearer and, uh, and the other gentleman, the person that held the wine, I think it was, and the baker, I'm sorry. Um, he, he, he interpreted their dreams, and he could have been miserable in jail because he was, he was there for none of his own, be- for none of his own making. He was, he was not rightfully accused. He was sent to jail, and he could have said, man, what the heck with this? I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to be miserable, and I'm going to be bad to everybody, and I'm going to hate everybody, and I'm going to walk around and just be angry all day. But he did not. In jail, he interprets the dream, which is one of the gifts that God had given him um, as he was growing up in life. Cry of the Soul says it this way. Ultimately, when we are empty and God does not respond as we wish, We feel justified to act on our own behalf. So we get angry with God because he could have alleviated our suffering. But we miss the point. God is using the trial to perfect us in the sanctification process. It's like when a parent punishes a child. Um, And you know, I remember I, I spanked my daughter when she was a very little girl once. And it hurt me so much that I cried. She was crying, I was crying, and we were all crying, right? <laughs> but, but I knew that the lesson needed to be had. And yes, it hurts sometimes when you bring discipline to your child, but we know as good parents that that discipline is going to do something in them that's going to help them later on. So we endure the suffering with them. It's the same thing that goes on now in life. God allows us to go through certain trials. He brings us through them. And he helps us in them to perfect us and make us more in the image of Christ. Genesis 41 says that then Pharaoh sent for Joseph and they hurriedly brought him in. And you know the story, Joseph, um, Pharaoh had a dream, the seven cows and the, the seven years and all of the other things. Um, and Joseph interpreted the dream. And, and this is what Joseph tells Pharaoh when, he, when they bring him into the presence of, of Pharaoh. Uh, He says, verse 16 says of, of Genesis chapter 41, it says, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. In other words, I'm not going to give you this answer. God is going to give you the answer. 
After all he had gone through, Joseph refused to take credit for anything God was doing. He could have gotten all prideful and requested his freedom in exchange for the interpretation of the dream. He could have even refused to tell him the interpretation of the dream. How many people know what I'm talking about? If you're mistreated and somebody comes to ask you for a favor or for something that you have, the person that's doing the mistreating, you very rarely reciprocate favor on their behalf. You always find a way to get even. Joseph said, no, this gift that I have, it's not mine. It belongs to God. And by the way, regardless of the condition that I'm in, regardless of the situation that I'm in, regardless of all the pain and suffering that I've experienced in my life, I am still going to allow God to use me, and I am still going to bring glory to God as I use the gifts that he has endowed me with. And this is exactly what God does, what Joseph does. He didn't, uh, but he didn't, uh, he didn't. Joseph took the giftings. He understood they were God's, and he brought glory to God in him. In all the years of being a prisoner, of being a slave, of being falsely accused, of beaten and abandoned, all of these things only helped Joseph draw closer to God. He took advantage of all of the sufferings. He made the most out of them, and he allowed the Lord to work in his heart so he, he could become a better man as God was making him in the sanctification process. It's, it's crucial. Um, I'm not one that likes pain. I flee from pain, physical pain, emotional pain, mental anguish. I hate all of that. But when I'm in it, I have to learn to understand that God is using these things to perfect me and mold me. Now, I don't need to go out and find pain. I don't need to create situations that will bring me pain. Man, pain's got a way of finding me somehow. And so I, I accept it when it comes. I, I don't like embracing it, but I've learned to embrace it because I know that God is working things out in me. And I say the same thing to all of us here at LIAC, that God is working in all of us through trials and tribulations in our lives. He is transforming us into the holiness of the image of his, son, of, the, of his Son. And He's also purging the flesh out of us that's trying to hold on for dear life. Cry of the soul says that all feelings reveal our attempt to maneuver into a position of regaining, to the, regaining access to the pleasures and perfection of God. All dark emotions are rooted in our reactive response, which is flight, to being out of the garden and out of our aggressive response, flight, to regain access to it. So we're either trying to get back to the garden or run from the garden, spiritually speaking. That's what we're trying to do. When we get back to the garden where we're in peace, when we're running away from it, we feel like we're tormented. Our natural response to pain is, is the attempt to get relief from suffering, either by fighting with anger or fleeing in fear. That's the natural way we've developed within ourselves to deal with pain. We flight, we fight, or we, or we run from it. And, and, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. When we're angry, we naturally attack or threaten assault if it is perceived unjust, if the perceived unjust offense continues. When we are afraid, flight seems like the most reasonable course in the world. And I can give you some examples. People come to Teen Challenge. Um, or they get a divorce. They're in a marriage and they get out of the marriage because they just don't want to deal with it anymore, with the pains and the trials that are going through it. Uh, and there are certain situations, I'm not talking about a case where the husband is beating up on the wife or things like that. I'm talking about just couples having, uh, marriages having struggles where they, just, where they just quit right away. And you can't do that. God calls you to, 
to, to marriage, once you've made that vow before the Lord, it's not something that you just give up on. And people make commitments and they break them so easily these days. People come into Teen Challenge, make a one-year commitment, and they leave three months into the program because the pain starts coming up. You're no longer medicated. You start feeling what, what, the life, what life is like and you run from it again. When you leave situations thinking that you're going to get into a better location because you're running from something, you're probably going to wind up meeting that thing again later on. Amen? Unrighteous anger demands that others respond to our plight or pay the consequences. In other words, we try to get even. Too many pastors today teach that suffering and trials are bad. They only teach and speak on happy messages that encourage you just enough to make it till Monday or Tuesday, if that. This is my opinion. It is a disservice to the sheep of, our, of, of that we pastor or that I speak to to not let them see the whole picture of love of God, the mercies of God, and also the sufferings that come along with being a Christian and living in God. It is why we have shallow Christians today, people who flee at the first sign of trouble. We see people all over the world fleeing at the first sign of trouble. They run to drugs and alcohol. Parents, how many people come into our program where, when, when they had a tooth extraction and the parents say, oh, my son is hurting, and they allow the doctor to prescribe a, a narcotic, which is highly addictive. The kid runs out of the narcotic and winds up on opiates, winds up on heroin, and winds up in our program if he doesn't die. Listen, it's okay for a tooth. If, if you pull out someone's tooth, it's going to hurt. When I was a child, I had all four, all four extracted, and all I got was ibuprofen. And we've gotten all so technologically advanced that we don't want any form of pain to come into our lives. Pain is not something that I like, and I'm not advocating for it, but it's something that, that's, that's a necessity of life to teach us, to mold us, and to perfect us. Understand what I'm saying today. I am not looking to throw you in the line and let's all go out there and suffer and bang our heads up against the wall so that we can feel pain. No. What I'm saying is don't allow certain things to distract you from the lessons that God is teaching you, even though they hurt. The initial pain that the parent was trying to alleviate with the medication is nothing compared to the years of pain that the family suffers when the child is in addiction. From the very beginning, God has given us great examples of people in the Bible who grew through trials. Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David, Jonah, and Jesus. Where would we be today had Jesus fled from his trials? Where would you and I be if Jesus while he was being brought to the cross, said, no, I don't want to go through this today. We'd be in a very bad position today. We would have no access to eternal life. We would have no hope for the life that we live, for, for the, the things that we go through. We would be hopeless. And the hope that we hold on to is that one day we will reign together with our King and Lord in heaven. Trials can be faced with joy because infused with faith, Perseverance results, and when perseverance goes full term, it will develop a thoroughly mature Christian who lacks nothing. We will indeed be all God wants us to be. What will we make of our trials, folks? Will we run from them? Will we accuse others and be bitter? Will you get revenge and take pleasure when, uh, when someone else suffers? Or will you allow God to perfect you? 
My parents, um, they own a jewelry shop in the Dominican Republic. And as part of their business, they refine gold. Um, so gold, they, they bring gold in from all over the place and people come in and sell gold. And they come in in all different carats, 10, 12, 14, 16, um, 18, um, 22, and 24. And one of the processes that's used in refining gold is fire. And in order for you, when you have a 14 carat piece of jewelry that's, when you have a piece of jewelry that's 14 carats, um, what it means is that it's not pure gold. It means that alloys have been added to the gold, to the pure gold, to cut it down or to break it down um, into a lesser carat gold. So in order for you to reverse the process, you take all of the different types of gold, the different carats that have been, that have been processed and alloys added to them, and you hit them with fire and you burn them and burn them in intense heat going on this thing, it turns so hot that you could almost see through it. That's how hot it is. And what the fire is doing, the fire is bringing out, burning out the imperfections that were added to the gold. The alloys that were there get burnt out. It's the purification process. What's left after being, blown up, after being hit with a lot of fire and thrown into different types of acids is that all of the alloys evaporate and disappear. What's left is 24 karat pure gold. It's what has value. It's where the value is. And that's the same thing God does with us. God brings us through the fire because he knows there are things in us that don't work. There are things in us that interfere with our relationship with him. And he wants to burn those things out. And trials and testing is where this happens, folks. Trials is where we get purified. And it hurts and it burns, and we try jumping out of the fire, and we try doing things to escape the pain. But God is saying, no, I'm holding you here because I love you. I'm holding you here because this is where I'm going to get that thing out of your heart that's interfering between you and I having complete fellowship and worship. And folks, today I want to encourage you. Look at the life of Joseph. Look at all he went through, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you through your trial. Allow the Holy Spirit to have its way so that he can perfect you and make you more into the image of Christ. Remember, Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave. He lived in Potiphar's house less than 11 years. We know that he spent two years in prison. He was 28 when he interpreted the dream to the baker and the cupbearer. That was 11 years after he was, after he was um, thrown into the pit. He was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh and interpreted the dream. The first time his brothers came for, for food to Egypt, he was 39. Remember, he was sold when he was 17, and he's 39 when his brothers come to Egypt. In Genesis chapter 45, it says that he forgave his brothers. He was 41 years old when the Bible, take, when, the Bible um, when we read his forgiving of the brothers. Joseph was 110 years old when he died. And Joseph was the second highest in command in all of Egypt. How did God prepare him for being in this position of authority? It was through trials and testing. It was through trials and testing. If we also want to make it through life and be perfected at the end of glory, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to help us through the trial and to test us. 
how we come out of the trial and how we bring glory to God in the trial will help us become more into the image of Christ. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you this day. Lord, that you allow suffering to come into our lives because you love us. Lord, you can stop all of it. You, don't, you, you can just prevent anything bad from happening to us, but you allow things to happen because you love us and you want us to be tested and you want us to be purified and sanctified. And Lord, I pray today for anyone who might be going through something, Lord, Father, that you would give them, Father, the grace that they need, that you would give us all the grace that we're going to need in future trials, and Father, that you would transform and change our hearts. Lord, help us, Father, to bring glory to you when we're in the midst of pain and suffering, when we're in the midst of trials, help us to look up to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Verse 4 in James chapter 1 says that if we need wisdom, if we lack it to ask you, and I encourage everyone today, if you lack wisdom, if you lack the grace, ask the Lord to help you in your trial, and he will. God bless you all, and have a wonderfully blessed week. Amen.